I'm Richard. And I'm Will. And together we're the, the Irreverent, Irreverent Nerds. Nerds. Bum, bum, bum. Nerds, for those of you who are not yet aware, we are currently offering a monthly subscription service for our listeners for the low price of $2.99 per month. I mean, that's like the price of what, a 12-ounce drip coffee at Starbucks or half of a Starbucks latte? For $2.99 a month, subscribers will gain access to two brand new bonus episodes dropping on the first and third Fridays of each month, plus our entire back catalog of bonus episodes. And that ranges from our most recent film review of the 2023 movie Flash, going all the way back to another movie, our very first bonus episode, which not coincidentally is connected to Flash, and that is Tim Burton's 1989 film Batman. And there's a lot in between that you're going to miss out on if you don't subscribe. So hey, click on the link in the description today to get started. Nerds, thank you so much. Now back to today's episode. Nerds! Nerds. <laughs> we're here. Where are we at, Will? We're at Boyerland. It's like oh. Elvis Presley land, except smaller. And... You mean Graceland? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're I, at the Boyer abode. The, the, la, I don't know how to say this in French, but the, la casa de Boyer. We'll do it in Spanish. La casa yeah. de Boyer. Depending <clears throat> on who you talk to, Boyer might be a French last name anyway. Oh, yeah. And, for, uh, for Bowman. Uh, Actually, it's German for farmer. So German for farmer, okay. We, we paid someone to do a ancestry test, and they were like, you're French, you're a Bowman. And we're like, no, we're not. <laughs> That's not correct. Yeah, my last name was like the old English, Bieste, and they think it may have derived from the term for sheep herder or something like that. Uh, so at some point way back, like a thousand years ago, there were sheep herders in my ancestry line, apparently. Yeah, that's kind of cool, though. People, people of the earth, like we, we've always been, like lowly, uh, serfs or lower middle class folks, <laughs> with a, yeah. with maybe a few exceptions here and there. You ever find <clears throat> a mysterious urge in the middle of the night to go shepherd some sheep? <laughs> no, but I did own a sheepdog at one point. I had a border collie for eleven years. Yeah, that was my childhood dog. Was a border collie. And he wanted to herd some sheep, but he didn't have any sheep to herd, so he just ran around the backyard doing that. You know, the thing where the dogs, like, run, and they'll stop, and they'll, like, jump up, like, jump, and then come back down, but just on their front legs. Huh. You know, but anyway, he, he barked at a lot of cars, but he had kind of that, you could see it in how he moved and stuff, that's the herding instinct. Um Cool, but yeah, cool. he never got the chance to do it, at least not with us anyway. We adopted him when he was maybe about two and a half, three years old. So I don't know if he ever got the chance before us, but uh, I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. Uh, yeah. I don't think there's any sheep herders in Arizona. Not sure, though. There might be somebody somewhere that has a sheep ranch in Arizona. <laughs> could be. Who knows? Could be. But... I guess they could live in high desert. I mean, why not? Why not? Why so not? we'll um, 
what <laughs> what are we what are we going to talk about tonight and what were we going to talk about tonight well uh we were going to talk about our balding issues but no, i'm kidding yeah um those of you watching on video <laughs> you can see our, our ample bellies yes yeah we we both need to drop a few pounds and never pick them back up again well our uh aging bodies aside we were going to talk about grave of the fireflies uh but we decided that that movie would be too depressing and serious so we've been talking a lot of serious stuff lately uh richard reviewed oppenheimer we talked about psycho i've already forgot the name of the film psychopath psycho psychopath path providence not psycho psychopath you know as i mistakenly said right after seeing the film you know but in fairness neither one of us knew what it was until pretty much until that day yeah right <laughs> so and uh then we talked about um watership down and uh all good films all made us think well i didn't see Oppenheimer, richard did but you know what i mean yeah made, made us all do a lot of heavy thinking so we just wanted some uh comfort food tonight or more specifically i did like it was my idea to do grave of the fireflies is i had seen it once a long time ago and i thought it was like took place in the wake of hiroshima uh but i found out that i was mistaken on that it was in the wake of a bombing of this town called kubo um in japan but it was not hiroshima and i thought it would be like a tie into oppenheimer which it in some sense still would have been but i think having seen it once before it was just so depressing like like watership down gave it a run for its money but i think grave of the fireflies i would still say the most depressing animated film i've ever seen like beautiful beautifully done but but depressing (laughs) and i think even more so now because when i first saw it i don't think don't know if i had any daughters at the time and now i do and yeah one of the main plot points is a, a young girl who's essentially starving to death um, I don't remember if she actually dies or not, but her and her brother are starving and just trying to find food, trying to survive. That's basically the plot of the movie. So I was like, I, I was trying to talk Will out of it, and, <laughs> and and eventually he's like, you don't really want to watch this, do you? <laughs> I was like, no. So we're doing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Instead. Uh which obviously the the new animated TMNT is coming out uh, next month. Uh, yeah, just uh, I think maybe about two weeks from today. Or, yeah, two weeks from today comes cool. up two weeks from today. So kind of in preparation for that or, or leading up to that, we're gonna do some TMNT, some of the old classics. So this is the 1990 film. Yeah, if you want to uh, bring that up, I'm gonna yeah. tell the folks a little bit about it. Those of you. Because some of you that are listening, uh, like if we have any Gen Z listeners, you've probably heard about the film, but but unlike, you wouldn't have experienced what Will and I did, where we grew up, like we were young children during the time when Teenage Mutant Turtles first became popular. So like we, you know, in the 80s, like in 19... We were young, heartache to heartache. What? I just felt like breaking out the song. Hey, that's okay. This is your first time seeing this film, right? Yeah, actually, believe it or not. It's one of those, like, heard it, heard about it, like, even read 
like a books picture books from the library that talked about the plot and the behind the scenes stuff. Like I remember very vividly as we were rewatching it, like scenes, pictures that I'd seen, like Raphael in the bathtub and like April there attending to his knees and Shredder hanging from the the fence and then and not Shredder, excuse me, Splinter hanging from the fence and stuff like that. And um but I'd never seen I don't think I'd ever seen it. Uh, until today so 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 what is this thing so uh, a rehash for those who may have seen it or just knew or aware of it back in the day and for those of you that don't really know much about it at all you're about to find out so Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is a 1990 American superhero film I don't know if I'd call it that would you superhero Hero, hero film for sure right I consider Ninja Turtles more of a martial art uh, sci-fi, but um, some people consider it within the superhero genre. Hmm. I don't think I'd... Yeah, I think I'd put it more in martial arts like you would. Anyway, it's a, it's a film directed by Steve Barron and written by Todd W. Langan and Bobby Herbeck from a story by Herbeck. It is the first film adaptation of the comic book characters created by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. So, some of the main cast stars Judith Hogue and Elias Koteas, and the voice talents of Brian Toki, Robbie Rist, Corey Feldman, and Josh Pice. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles follows the turtles on a quest to save their master Splinter with their new allies April O'Neil and Casey Jones from the Shredder and his Foot Clan. So, a little bit more about the cast here, and then Will's going to talk to us about the plot. So obviously Judith Judith Hogue plays April O'Neil. Uh, this is one of the movies apparently she's best known for. But she, I was looking over her, IM, her IMDb and she has done a lot of television, like a lot. She's made a career out of like guest guest roles and stuff, and uh, guest of the week type roles in TV for decades. So, but this is one of the the films that she's known for. Uh, Elias Coteus, who I have seen in quite a few things over the years, uh, he plays Casey Jones. I think both Judith and Elias were in their late 20s when they made this film, so still relatively young, still relatively early in their Hollywood careers. But uh, Casey Jones is a streetwise vigilante and former ice hockey player who becomes an ally of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And a much better portrayal than in the animated series where he's just crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I have to say, like, just broadly speaking, like having seen the animated series and grown up with that, Loved it as a kid, rewatched it a little bit as an adult, and I'm like, this is bad. bad. But watching this <laughs> movie, this movie's much better than than what I remember of the animated series, I think. Jay Patterson plays Charles Pennington, April's boss. Michael Turney as Danny Pennington, who has a pretty pivotal role in the film, Charles's teenage son. Raymond Sarah as Stearns, the chief of the New York City Police Department, who just yells a lot for some reason. Uh, I think he he's trying to go off the donuts. I think he's on a diet or something. He's just angry all the time. Uh, James Saito plays Oroku Saki, a.k.a. The Shredder, the leader of a network of runaways turned thieves and the main antagonist of the film. Toshishiro Obata plays Master Tatsu, Shredder's second-in-command Sam Rockwell, makes an appearance, one of his first film appearances, as the head thug, an unmasked gang member. Skeet Ulrich and Scott Wolf appear as unnamed members of the Foot Clan. <laughs> I didn't know that. 
Uh, oh, yeah, apparently TMT co-creator Kevin Eastman has a small cameo as a garbage really? man. I didn't. I didn't see that. Um, there was a portion at the end of the film where a garbage truck is left uh, unmanned. I wonder if he fled out of the garbage truck during the fight. Well, I missed it. According to him, he was supposed to have an extended spot, but it ended up being a background cameo instead. So he got cut out of his own movie, in a sense. Well, that sounds... It's like, ah, well, we know you're important, but... Yeah. Well, that's that's sad. So, okay. Uh, so, this is film is kind of unique in that the, the voices of the Turtles and, and uh, Splinter are not done necessarily by the same people that like you have puppeteers involved yeah. like you said the jim henson company is involved yeah the creature studio right yeah like i can't jim henson some, something like that something like that but um but there were characters who did the voices of the turtles and then there were those who are actually were skilled at martial arts that played the live action so we got for the voice cast we have brian toki as leonardo leader of the turtles and closest to splinter josh pice as Raphael, the rebellious and angry turtle i loved his performance i do yeah no he did good he kind of has that rough like angry brooklyn thing going on you know it worked pretty well i think Corey feldman does the voice of donatello who's the supposed to be the brains of the turtles which we don't really see in this film no, we'll um, see more of that in the sequel film to this. I, I really like Donatello in Secret of the Ooze. Nice. Uh, Robbie Rist plays Michelangelo, or does his voice, the youngest turtle. He's the fun-loving partier. Anyone who's seen the animated series from the 80s knows that. And that that kind of has carried through in a lot of the other iterations yeah. as well, I think. Kevin Clash plays Splinter, the turtle's master. And if you don't know who Kevin Clash is, which I did not, but I... I saw him on imdb he is the man behind elmo <laughs> <laughs> which if you listen to the two voices they don't sound anything alike but i guess he did the voice and he probably did the puppeteering as well at least a at least part of it um a, a puppet as complicated as splinter usually would have like probably two or three people involved in the actual puppetry yeah elmo loves you elmo say kick butt Yay! <laughs> he does a better Elmo than I do. <laughs> oh man, Michael McConaughey My plays <laughs> Master Tatsu, who pretty much all he does is just stick his fist out like this and do fight, punch, retreat, or <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, he doesn't do too much else other than fight and look angry. <laughs> So, but in puppeteers, so like you have the in in suit performers. David Foreman uh, played Leonardo. Martin P. Robinson did the face. Like, so they they're wearing these heads that, I guess, I don't know, robotic had robotic mouth yeah. movements and stuff. Um, so you had people on that, and then you had Leaf Tilden did Donatello as the in suit performer. Uh, apparently, we had. David Rudman did the facial assistant. Ernie Reyes Jr. was an in-suit martial arts stunt double. <laughs> so he had two... He had a skateboarding double. Reggie Barnes did that. 
Oh. Jess Pice did Raphael. In-suit performer David Greenaway uh, did, was a facial assistant. Kevin Troom was an in-suit martial arts stunt double. So I guess you had some in-suit performers, and then you would have martial arts people in the suit for those scenes. Uh, so Michelin Sisti, what a name, as Michelangelo, in-suit performer. Mac Wilson as Michelangelo, the facial assistant. So I'm guessing this guy did his own martial arts, Michelin Sisti. <laughs> and Kevin Clash was the puppeteer for Splinter. Uh, he had help from Ricky Boyd and Robert Tickner. Oh, so it says here, all four actors who played the in-suit turtles also appeared in cameos with David Foreman as a gang member, Michelin Sisti as a pizza delivery man. Ah, oh. So that was Michelangelo's in-suit guy. Really? He the was pizza the, man? He was the pizza man. That's That seems fitting, actually. Huh. Leaf Tilden was a messenger of the foot, and Josh Pice was a passenger in a taxi. Oh, haha. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. He was the guy in the back. I was like, "What was that?" Oh, like, I think it was a turtle, dressed up in a, in a trench coat. <laughs> Pice was the only actor to portray a turtle on screen and also provide his voice. Oh. Okay, so he did both. Nice, so that's the cast and a little bit about the film. Now, Will is going to talk about the, the plot and the story. Well, the plot revolves around um, April O'Neil and the four turtle brothers uh, as they um, unravel the mystery of the Foot Clan, which is not a giant mystery, uh, at least not to the audience. Um, I should have written this down, but anyway, I've seen this movie a million times. I, I saw it in the theaters as a child. It was one of my earliest, uh, memories of the movie theater. I was five years old. So I, I know this movie, like the back of my hand, basically, uh, April gets targeted by the Foot Clan. The turtles rescue her, uh, reveal themselves to her, um... The Foot Clan burned down April O'Neil's uh, father's antique shop and apartment. Uh, they flee to the O'Neill farm in the countryside where the turtles heal and rest up until they're ready to return to New York to face the Shredder. In which case, uh, the Shredder's street gang and Foot Clan are... Uh, easily dispensed with Shredder falling into a garbage truck manned by Casey Jones. I glossed over a few things there, like the subplot with with uh, April O'Neil's boss's son, Danny, and things like that, but that's the gist of the plot. Alright, so that that's our plot summary. So, so let's get into talking about the film. So, so we'll... So this I, was my first. I forgot to mention Splinter was kidnapped. That, that was pretty yeah. Good. I thought I thought you'd miss that. That's pretty important. That, that's a catalyst for a lot of the action in the film. Like he gets yeah, he gets kidnapped by by the Foot Clan. I would think that's why the turtles returned to New York to face the Shredder to rescue Splinter. But yes, indeed. Well, actually, don't they think because he's. Okay, let's not get ahead of ourselves. 
Uh, let's see. So, first experiences with this film. Obviously, this was mine. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. My first time seeing the film, but it wasn't necessarily my first experience around it. But for you, you said earlier this was one of the first films you saw in theaters as a kid. Right. Um, I mean, I saw a few films before this, but I was so young, I almost don't remember those. I saw Oliver and Company, and I saw The Great Mass <sighs> Detective. But this... That would have been after this. It would have been after this? 95, I think. Which one? Great Mouse Detective. Really? That was 95? Mm-hmm. The Disney one? Mm-hmm. Oh. Or 93 at the earliest. Okay. But yeah, well, so it would have been after this. But. My memories are a little jumbled up, but uh, Ninja Turtles, the 1990 film, was definitely one of my earliest theatrical experiences. Um, you would have been five. Yeah. Right? Five years five. old. Um, sorry, I'm just confused mentally now that the date for the Great Mass Detective <laughs> has been changed on me. <laughs> I messed him up. Okay, but Oliver, aha, uh-huh, that was 87. That was Oliver and Company definitely came before, yeah. Or something like 88, that. 88, something like that, okay. yeah, somewhere in there. But anyway. Well, you'd have been like three years when you saw that. Yeah, I remember the Happy Meal toys and nice. like vaguely seeing the film. But anyway, anyway, um, what was the question? <laughs> uh, well, Joe, just what kind of a, a little bit about your 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 experiences seeing it. So, like, had you seen any of the animated series prior to seeing oh, the live yeah. action film? Definitely, I, I was big internal mania. I just arrived fresh off of the real Ghostbusters and was translated to Turtles. Um, it was the late 80s. Uh, I had the, the uh, in my opinion, the best cartoons from that series on VHS. The arc that explains the Turtles' origins up until they fight Kaiju-sized Krang um, it, with the Turtle Blimp. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I had all that on VHS. Like I said, it was full-blown Turtle Mania. Um, Dancing to the theme song. Um, And yeah, I was super excited the movie was coming out. Uh, I admit being a little confused as a child because uh, I expected the movie to have Krang and things like, and Rocksteady and Bebop and things like that, and that didn't happen. Of course, as an adult, I'm ha- I'm thankful that didn't happen <laughs> because they crafted a film that was more accurate to the comic books. It still had nods to the cartoon series, like the pizza, of course, and the word cowabunga. Um, but uh, it's a, it's a good film. Uh, it focuses more on. It still keeps the fantastical element of the ooze mutating them, of course, but it leaves out the space aliens and. Focuses more on the the ninja aspect. I forgot about the space aliens. Well, Krang is a. I know. I know Krang was an alien. Extra dimensional space alien. Of extra some dimensional. Kind. Okay. I forgot about that. I'm. He, I'm he's not, related to the Utroms. The Utroms. 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 Wow. Yeah, I have not. I have not watched the animated series, and aside from that handful of episodes I watched. I don't know if this is back in my 20s or... 
Might have been in my 20s. It's been a long time since I've seen any of it. So yeah, I'm, I'm guessing you've probably watched it um, more often than I have in the interim. Uh, just, just enough to realize that it just doesn't hold up well. <laughs> um, I'd like to find the Usagi Yojimbo episodes and own them. Yeah, on yeah. On DVD, but I, I have the trading cards with uh, from the Usagi Yojimbo episode anyway, but... Um, besides that, I don't really need to own the original series on DVD. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the 2003 series and the Nickelodeon 2012 series were much better. They stand up a lot better. Well, cool. So do you remember the experience in the theater itself? Like, do you remember how you felt seeing it? How you, how you felt afterwards? like? Well, my dad had to take me all the way to Greensboro or something. I, I don't remember. Some theater way out, way out of the way, like an hour away, just to, because all the tickets were sold out everywhere else. Oh, yeah. But General Mania. Yeah. And um, I feel bad about it, you know, later when I grew, I, I got older, you know, the fuss I, I made that I want to see this movie, but it was all sold out everywhere. And just the trouble that he went through to find a theater that still had tickets. Uh, he waited outside the whole time for me to see the movie. Um, That's pretty cool that your dad did that for you. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I don't remember a whole lot. I know, I know I was by myself when I saw the movie. But I don't remember a whole lot about uh, how I felt about the movie other than I really enjoyed it. I remember the theater was dark. What I, what I do remember is the, the, the feeling I got when I saw the poster. Hmm. Uh, I would see the poster in, in comic books. I would see it out and about. And just the way that the turtle heads were peering out of the manhole... Even today, it just gives me the the warm feels or something, seeing it. (laughs) And not in an inappropriate way, either. Ha, ha, ha. (laughs) Nerds, we would love to find out who is on the other side of the microphone. There are multiple options by which you can connect with us. Our Instagram handle is at irreverent underscore nerds. We are on Facebook and YouTube as simply The Irreverent Nerds. Makes sense, right? And of course, we are on your podcast app. If you listen on Spotify, scroll down through the episode description and you will see a question. What did you think of this episode? We welcome your feedback, including your constructive criticism. We also post episode-specific polls and questions from time to time on Spotify, so please feel free to jump in and give us your two cents. All right, nerds, I've talked enough. Let's get back to this week's episode. <laughs> Gives them the warm fuzzies. No, I remember... Um, see, did you have more you wanted to share? Nah. Um, I remember seeing the advertisements as well. Um, so I'm a little older than Will, um, about a year and a half older. And... Um, so I remember, I know I watched some of the series when it was out. I, I don't, 
I probably didn't start watching it when it first came out. I would have been four. So it's probably not something my parents would have let me watch. I'm, I'm not entirely sure at what point I started seeing episodes, but I know I saw some, and I definitely had the toys. Like, I remember probably my most vivid memories are of having the toys from from the animated series late 80s like and playing with those and making up stories with those um but i definitely remember hearing about the film like i'm sure i must have seen some tv advertisements at different points or trailers probably had some friends that were talking about it i would imagine i don't have distinct memories on that front but i just remember it just being around and i remember at one point this is it was either before or after it came out in theaters, but you know how a lot of times they don't studios don't do this much now, but uh, they have other methods of getting things out there. But they would release these like picture books, I guess. Some, yeah, they still do it for some movies, like, but like it would give sort of a synopsis of the plot and it would have pictures from the movie itself as well as some behind the scenes information. And like, I remember. I don't think I owned it, but I must have like gotten it from the library or something. I remember reading the one for this movie, and there were images that were just kind of burned in my mind as we were just rewatch or as I was just watching it um, tonight. Like those memories came back of like seeing that in those yeah those books. And I definitely remember the picture books and the coloring books based on the movie as well. Oh, okay, I don't think I, I don't know if I ever got one of those. Um, there might have been a comic book adaptation too. I'm not sure about that one. Yeah, that was one thing. I think the I think the first of this trilogy that I saw might have actually been the the third one. See, the second or the third one. I think I was at my uncle's house, and he had, a, you know, they had a they had still to this day had this, but they have a a basement that was finished. And there was like a pool table down there, and they had a TV with a Nintendo, and they had a bunch of VHS movies, and I, I think they had the second and third. So I think I watched those in the basement of my uncle's house when we were visiting from out of town, but I don't think they had the first one, which is why I never saw it, I think. Because um, at the time, like, I didn't grow up going to see, as we talked about before, I didn't grow up going to theaters, like my family, we just didn't go to theaters. Um, so I had to wait for things to come out on VHS, and... I guess this is one that I never like bugged my parents about, or maybe I did, and they said no. Because uh, my parents, like they, if they thought it was maybe too violent, or or if they had previewed it and thought it wasn't appropriate, you know, then we wouldn't get to see it as kids. Um, I think probably the only time they really suspended that was for Jurassic Park. Like they allowed me to watch that at a friend's house when I was only eleven. I wasn't even PG. I wasn't thirteen yet. You know, it wasn't the recommended age. I was 11, and it scared me out of my pajama pants. <laughs> I remember hiding behind the theater seat when I saw Jurassic Park. Oh, man. Like uh, During the T-Rex scene, I was, I was hiding behind the seat in front of me. <laughs> no, that made, that totally makes sense. You would have been eight, eight years old when that came out. I was only, what, a year and a half younger than you. Yeah, and I, see, I was... I was 10 when it came out, so I saw it about a year, roughly a year after it came out, and I know I had been bugging my parents about that. Pretty sure I was nine. I knew I wouldn't get to see it in in the theater. It came out in 93. I knew I wouldn't get to see it in the theater, but like I got checked out 
the books from the library and like i was big into dinosaurs in general around that time uh, and I've, they finally let me see it at a friend's house and my friend and i got the this is, i think i've told the story before on the podcast but my friend and i got the bright idea to watch it after everyone else had gone to bed so we watched uh-huh. it started it at like i don't know 10 o'clock or something like everyone else was already in bed might have even been 11 and his parents let us do it uh i think his name was josh memory serves me my friend and he had already seen it probably in theaters as well as he owned the vhs so he'd already watched it quite a few times he fell asleep <laughs> and and i'm over here watching it basically by myself in the dark <laughs> and you know everyone else in the house is already in bed and uh, i think the part that freaked me out the most is when samuel L. jackson's character when the hand falls down on El- on uh billy sattler yeah on ellie and then she thinks he's okay and it's just a hand <laughs> or just an arm <laughs> just like that freaked me out the most and I was, I was like waking my friend I was Josh Josh wake up anyway that's a side note so back to this movie I think I seen two and three I think at, at, at some point definitely three I have very clear memories of seeing the third one where they go to Japan yeah and I believe I have, I have seen the second one too if I'm not mistaken but yeah this was my first time seeing the original and uh, it's really good. I enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, as a kid, it was more like just the hearing about it and reading about it and seeing pictures and the trailers probably, um, but never actually seeing the film itself. It's yeah. kind of funny. Um, yeah, and I was like playing the video games too, like the original Teenage Ninja Turtles on Nintendo. I owned that, and then I would play the first one. Yeah, the first well, one. Man, that was torture. Oh man, I never beat it. I never did beat it. To this day, I have not beaten it. Um, and then remember getting renting the second and third ones at different points and playing the second one at arcades because it was like the arcade version um, stuff like that so yeah I was big into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yeah but I guess yeah either I didn't bug my parents enough or they, or they said no to like me owning the movies because I never owned the movies um, so yeah those some of my earliest experiences so what should we talk about next about the movie so I guess we could talk about what we like the most about it okay first yeah. and, and and then after that we could talk about what we didn't like about it like you know what what we thought should have been different kind of thing uh, and you're more familiar with the comics so you can speak more to yeah. to where maybe it didn't match up as well as you would like to the comics uh, but to start with let's, let's talk about what we really liked about it so since I just talked for a while I'll let you go first well um, I really like how April O'Neil is living I mean she was never a reporter in the comics the reporting aspect was definitely lifted from the cartoon series uh, in the comics she's actually a scientist uh, who assists a the scientist Baxter Stockman that would have been great if we got a live action Stockman Anyway, uh, I think we're going to get a stocking in the new cartoon that's coming out next month. About time. But um, Is April finally going to be a scientist, too? She's going to be a child, so I don't think so. Ah, that's weird. Have you seen trailers? You haven't seen the trailers yet. I've seen one. seen one. I don't think it shows April much. Okay. So, huh, that's weird. Okay. She She's the pudgy black girl. Have you seen her yet? What? Yeah, that's April. Okay, I'm uh, I'm a little confused, but no, I, I don't know if I've seen that part yet or not, but 
um, I'll have to watch another trailer. Okay. Or rewatch the one I saw. Maybe I just didn't catch it because yeah. I wasn't. I was looking for like a blonde-headed, older or not. Mina. Well, she wasn't blonde-headed in the cartoon, but like, like, uh, I mean, a full-grown woman in like a yellow jumpsuit or something. <laughs> right. Well, um, that's an entirely different topic. Uh, the I'm not going to fo- focus on for but a few seconds right now. But yeah, April has changed over this different cartoon series. Uh, in the 2012 series, she was a teenager herself. Uh, then in Rise of the Ninja Turtles, uh, which was the most recent 2D animated uh, cartoon series, uh, she was a teenager, but she was black. And uh, the original comic, she might have been ethnic. She might have been black in the original comics. She was based on, was it Peter Lerard or Kevin Eastman's wife? I can't remember, but it was based on one of their wives before they got a divorce. <laughs> um, anyway, so I think that she's supposed to be of mixed race originally in the comics. Uh, the whole redheaded uh, Irish so they, white, so they whitewashed her for the cartoon. They did. They whitewashed her for the cartoon. Oh, that's kind of sad, actually. Yeah. You didn't really need to do that back then in the 80s. Like, you had other other cartoons where there was diversity and stuff. Like, remember Captain Planet? Yeah, remember yeah, that? Like, definitely. That had a diverse cast. Like, you could do that. That's that's kind of sad, actually. I didn't yeah. know that. They, t- I think they took her last name O'Neill and just ran with it. But the cartoon series was not heavily inspired by the comic book series. Very true. Um, it would have been better if it had been. Yeah. Uh, see, the 2003 series was a lot more heavily based on the, the comic books and actually had the input of the original creators on that series. So nice. I, do, I recommend the 2003 series. Um, it has its own takes and spins, of course. But anyway, getting back to the movie at hand, what I really like about the film is that uh, we do use some of the conflict plots. Uh, April O'Neil is living in the apartment above Second Time Around, which is the antique shop that she does own in the comics. Um, just like in the comics, the Foot Clan invades and the, the apartment and, and antique store burn down and they flee to the farm. In the comic books, it was Casey Jones's farm uh, that they fled to, and this one it's April's farm, which a complaint of mine would be that the Foot Clan could have followed a paper trail and figured out where the turtles went because it was April's farm. They didn't know who Casey was, but they knew who April was. Hmm. But, you know, semantics, you know, I'm thinking too heavily into a... They're all teenagers too, so maybe they just weren't smart enough (laughs) or or experienced enough yet to think about doing that. Yeah, maybe. And and that's another thing I want to talk about, the whole structure of the Foot Clan, Clan and the Teenage Street Gang. But maybe we can talk about that later. Well, I guess, does it fit into something you liked or something you wish was different? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. Yeah. We can talk about the aspects about it that you liked. Well, um, I like how in this movie things are more realistic than the cartoon series. And the cartoons, the, the cartoons never made any sense. I understood why they were robots, the foot soldiers in the cartoons, because... The turtles couldn't fight real people with their weapons. Oh, that's true. Yeah, kind of like uh, 
I was trying to draw a comparison. Censorship. Yeah, kind of like we're in, in Batman the Animated Series. Like, there's gunfire all the time, but no one ever gets shot. Yeah. <laughs> or at least they don't show anyone getting shot. <laughs> and I'm really glad they have gunfire in Batman because at one point the censorship board wanted them to have laser guns. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. that would have been awkward. Yeah, no. It would have been. But, um,. And speaking of censorship for the Ninja Turtle cartoon, Michelangelo was not allowed to have nunchucks in in, in England when they uh, and they weren't allowed to be called ninjas. They were the teenage mutant hero turtles <laughs> in England. What was wrong with ninjas? Uh, oh, they, was it, it had like... assassin connotations to it? It's violent. violent oh, was it word. also like? No, I don't. I can imagine this, perhaps. Well, maybe not as much, because, like, I was just thinking of World War Two in, in part because of Oppenheimer still being someone on my mind, but, like, um, the British were bombed primarily by the Germans, so, like, but the Japanese were allies of the Germans, you know, so in some sense were helping. So I, I can, I wonder if there was, like, still some animosity or, like, anything, like, that seemed sinister and Japanese. Maybe. I don't know, maybe, but... Just get just wildly guessing here. I, I have no idea if that's the case. It was my understanding. It was just uh, the association with violence. Huh. Interesting. Uh, but anyway, um, I really liked how the film stuck to some of the a lot of the comic book uh, uh, source material. I really liked the portrayal of Casey Jones. Uh, I didn't know who Casey Jones was watching the TV series. He was just some crazy guy. I had his action figure. But as I got older and I learned who Casey Jones was, I really appreciate how in this live action film we actually portrayed Casey Jones correctly. Um, Casey Jones being April's love interest, uh, among other things. Um, yeah, which makes a lot more sense yeah. than her hooking up with one of the turtles. <laughs> Even though the turtles, strangely, want to hook up with her. Uh, at least in this film. <laughs> they said at least half they a dozen eyes. times they made, <laughs> made comments about her being hot or being a babe. What did they call her? They called her a fox, a babe, uh, hot, maybe. I somebody, think that yeah. was mostly Michelangelo. Yeah, primarily. <laughs> but yeah, but they obviously, they're attracted to her, which maybe that's a result of the uh, the radioactive ooze. Like, that's a side effect. In addition to being big and speaking English, <laughs> they have crushes on humans, perhaps. Um, something that was carried over to the Michael Bay film, Michelangelo having the hots for April. <laughs> uh, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Michael Bay, good old Michael Bay. Man knows how to make money, which is why he gets to keep making movies. Does he uh, still make movies? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he's he doing more movies? just a producer role nowadays. Oh, okay. I don't know if he directs much. Um, I don't know. Maybe he's involved in the producing, like production, like executive producer or something, because another Transformers movie just came out, and it's actually yeah. made, made a decent amount of money. Like I said, he knows how to put out stuff that makes money. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway. Well, um, 
I don't know. There's a lot I liked about this film. I liked how Krang was not in it. I like how we just focused on Shredder as actually a ninja for training actual ninjas. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. I thought they handled his yeah. origin story very well. It felt a little bit more believable, a little bit more sinister as well. And that was lifted straight from the comics. Yeah, that that, that seemed like it had a really good like foundation to it. That felt like it was something that came from the comics. Like, yeah. No, I liked that. I liked that. Um... I, I really liked, um, I really, there was a lot, in my opinion, to like about the film. Uh, what did you think? Well, let's see. So what did I like? Um, oh, I liked the puppets. The, yes. Uh, the they, puppet suits. They did an excellent job. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, the puppeteering with Splinter was excellent. Obviously, Jim Henson's company is involved. It's going to be excellent. Like, they... They just do a great job. Obviously, the Muppets, you know, they do a great job. Yeah. Muppets and Sesame Street, but also films like Dark Crystal. And uh, let's see what else. Um, Didn't they work on Star Wars, at least with Yoda? Yep, yep. Yeah. Yoda on Star Wars. And um, I was trying to think of another one that they... Labyrinth. They were involved in Labyrinth, the Jim Henson Creature Studio. I need to involved. see that. Oh, you haven't seen it? No. Oh, it's really good. It's really good. Oh, well, hey, maybe we can... Yeah. It, it fits into the nerdy nostalgic vibe for sure. We could we could totally do that. We should we should do that and we should do legend. Oh, I Tom, heard about that. Have you not seen it? The Tom Cruise. No, I haven't. <gasps> yes, we should do both of those films. Is that the one with uh the Satan character? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I want to see yeah, that yeah. one. <laughs> with uh played by He wants to see it because Satan is in it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> No, it's by, by our man. What's his name from? Uh, uh, he was on Home Alone too. Yeah, he was on it. Uh, Tim, no, not Tim Conway. I don't know why Tim Conway's coming. Tim Curry. Yeah, Curry. yeah. Tim Curry. <laughs> that would have been really funny with Tim Conway had played the <laughs> devil. Uh, but yeah, no, Tim Curry um, is in like. I mean, it's kind of the classic like you would think of like Dante's Inferno style suit. It actually looked quite intimidating. Um, that's an underrated film, I must say. Like one of one of Tom Cruise's underrated films. Uh, I think Roland Emmerich, either Roland Emmerich directed it. I think. I want to say. Well, when I think of Satan, I definitely think of Tim Curry. <laughs> I mean, you play a demon, demonic clown or alien clown, you know, and and Satan in a movie, you know. Not to Did mention, not the... to mention, an evil concierge in Home Alone too. Did he play an evil clown in Clowns from Outer Space? Oh, that I don't know. But he was uh, It in the the TV miniseries. The TV miniseries It. The TV miniseries? Yeah. It's really good, actually. I haven't seen that. You haven't seen it? So that's separate from the movie. There's another one we should do. Oh, yeah. The newer movies came way after this. This was early 90s. Well, what about the older movie? You're probably thinking of the miniseries because the miniseries, I think it's... It basically came out to like a three or four hour movie. You know, so it was like, oh, I think okay. it was just, it was over two nights when it first aired. It was like, so it might have been four hours long. So it was like two, two hour show, you know. And uh, I saw it, on, I watched it on YouTube um, years ago. And I was like, this is really good. Uh, and thankfully they 
they cut out the attempted rape scene that is apparently in the book and I'm like why did you put that in there Steven it's he's an alien clown what does he care no he it wasn't him wasn't him no okay I'm not I'm not gonna go into detail just to say that it shouldn't have been in the book I don't know why Steven put it in the book I haven't read the book so I, I don't know the full context but yeah it's just like eh. but thankfully they did not put that I mean it was on ABC so you know like yeah. back in prime time but still you know gotta be so yeah they did not include that thankfully but it was still creepy as as i'll get out like tim curry does a great job he's very creepy as as it all right so back to turtles and what i liked about it okay um i've only read a tiny bit of the comics i think i might have borrowed one of your volumes at some point and read a little bit um so i i'm not as familiar with um how it how well it does but it just the I felt like this film struck a nice balance between the some of the goofy humor of the animated series. Like some of that was in there, like the turtles. Oh yeah, definitely. But but it felt more organic somehow. Like the turtles were just they're teenagers and they're they're really good at what they do, but they ha- they're having fun with it, and um, it like that that balance worked. Like there was the seriousness worked. Like with Splinter being the wise old sage, and giving out some actually pretty good advice uh you know and um <laughs> and then at one point we have the i, I enjoyed this the, the force ghost splinter yeah the astral projections <laughs> yeah astral astral projection splinter where they're like they're like meditating <laughs> and he pops up from the flames and gives them his what the way he worded it, it made it sound like he was dead like he just died because they're like weeping and it's like I don't know if they think he's dead at that point. I, I was a little confused by that. I think that he he talks as if he's going to die. Yeah, and I guess so. Maybe that made them think it's like oh he is dying or he's near death, so we got to go now. We yeah, gotta go save him. So that makes sense. Oh. Uh, I always I never thought of the turtles thinking he was dead. I always thought that they were crying because it gave them hope. Oh, well. Hmm. But well, that was just me. I guess I could see that too. I think at that point they were pretty low and they just assumed that he was probably dead. I mean, Donatello, was it Donatello? One of the turtles tells Leo that, yeah, we all think he's alive. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, so it may have been more that they. Menta, we must go save him. I don't know. Anyway, uh, let's see. What else? Yeah, I kind of, I, I did actually kind of like. I think you mentioned this as well, like how they, how they, grounded the the foot soldier clan. How they made it into like, like this Shredder character has come in and he is. And it's, he's very much he's taking advantage of all these. Uh, I didn't see any girls, so like teenage boys. Yeah. Who who feel that they've been rejected by well, their well, there was at least or, one girl in was the. Uh, yeah. I may have just missed him. <sighs> Excuse me. Um, but it did seem like he was primarily targeting, but just like teenagers who either were 
already rebellious or who felt like they were on the outside of society and kind of a gang mentality. Yeah. But he gave them some, some structure, like the like the fighting and the obviously the you know, a, a, a single leader to follow and rally around. And he gave them It almost a, sounds like a cult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I thought of that as like culty vibes but with um hook esque skateboarding <laughs> and video games <laughs> like Smithers, who are these irreverent nerds? Well, sir, they're the hosts of this podcast. What's a podcast? Well, sir, it's kind of like a radio show. Ah, I see. Like The Shadow or CBS News. Yes, sir. Hmm, I think we should buy it. Uh, I don't think it's for sale, sir. Poppycock, I just bought Twitter. I can buy this podcast. Alright, sir. I'll talk to them and see what they say. Excellent. They have like a clubhouse for all the teenagers, but then they're also learning martial arts at the clubhouse. And then getting sent out on missions by yeah. by uh, Shredder and... Uh, was it Master Tatsu? Tetsu. Tatsu. Tetsu. Master Tetsu. Tetsu. Fight! <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's, uh, it was good. Yeah, and the, I think the Splinter character in particular, I mean, similar, like, even in the animated series, he really grounded it in a lot of ways, like, in... And gave it some some gravitas, you know, even in the animated series, but like definitely in this film. And uh, Kevin Clash does a really good job with his voice, I thought as well. And obviously the puppeteering is is awesome. Yeah. Um, but no, the fight scenes were good. Like the guys fighting in the suits, like those dudes were were rocking it. Like those martial arts moves and stuff, like that had to have, had to have been pretty hard. Like I mean, the suits seemed really flexible, but still, like in this like. I don't know, latex or rubber suit and having to do these kicks and flips and stuff. And like, it was impressive. Yeah, yeah sure. It was impressive. Like I, I, I could have imagined like if I'd seen it as a kid in the theater, I, I think that would have excited me. I would have really, I would have been like trying to act it out and stuff like, so I'm well, sure I, I did. I'm sure there were a bunch <laughs> of kids trying to act out all the fight scenes. I'm sure. I wonder if, if any of the jumps or flips, if they actually had the, um, Ninja Turtle actors on wires that they erased out of the film or something. The wires that is probably some of them, yeah. And then you had a. I like some of the little clips, like with Michelangelo, like the one where they're fighting, and they have the little jokes. And then at one point he does the Wheel of Fortune, they like put him on a shell and spin yeah. around. <laughs> so he's like kicking the. He's like Wheel of Fortune. It's like it's like oh man, they didn't know what that is. Like I thought everybody lo- everybody loves Vanna. <laughs> yeah there were some jokes that actually landed and I thought were funny like at uh, different points in the film so yeah so uh, excuse me yeah 
I liked it. I liked it. I did not yawn. I was strong. <laughs> strong. Wow. You. you you shut off. You suppressed <laughs> your mirror neurons somehow. All right. So. So we talked some about what we like. So. What what didn't you like? Like what bothered you, or, or like what do you felt they should have done differently? Well, in the comics and the 2003 Four Kids cartoon series, Shredder's base is in a uh, a tower, uh, a, a skyscraper in downtown, and the turtles have to. It's a part of the Return to New York storyline. The turtles have to climb the tower from the bottom floor upward. Uh, fighting all of the foot soldiers and all of the uh, sci-fi technology inside the tower, including some uh, clones of Shredder, some failed clone attempts. Uh, in the comic, Shredder had actually died, and they brought him. The Foot Clan brought him back from the dead. But of course, I'm not saying I, I want that. I don't want that story where Shredder is a worm creature brought back from the dead. I don't even understand that. <laughs> uh, I'd have to show you the comic to explain that, but basically when the turtles fight him in the comic the second time, worms fall out of him. He's like a zomb zombie or something with worms. And, and I don't want... The worms animate him somehow, animate his corpse. And I don't want the clones, uh, the weird lobster clones... I don't even understand how a failed clone of Shredder turns into lobster hands. But I am Absolute saying... Yeah. Attack of the clones! I should totally do that. Like for... <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, I've got to tell my friend Brian Wingrove he needs to draw a cartoon cosplay of Zoidberg as a Shredder clone. Now. Yes, uh, yes, <laughs> Brian, you should totally do that. Speaking of Brian, we should have him back on at some yeah. point. You know, we'd have our, our comic book friends back on. But, um, you know what <laughs> I would have liked, instead of an abandoned warehouse, if Shredder did have his... New York complex but I guess that just didn't fit into it it's just that I feel like Shredder in this film was was uh, was uh, he like Japanese mafia like respected businessman with a exactly with a skyscraper yeah but secretly where's the the Shredder head yeah that was pretty much what it was in uh, okay. the four okay. kids 2003 it really fleshed out the comics i think he's more like a kingpin type yeah yeah okay. okay exactly and um uh, in the comics and the cart the 2003 cartoon show the t the gang of teenagers is known as the purple dragons oh so they actually were in the comics yes and no yes and no. i mean it drew some inspiration from from the comic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. that was the first. the The gang was the first uh, group the turtles take down. So they uh, went around the robbing and stealing dragons. And if I remember correctly. Mugging. Yeah. Okay. Um. So in the Four Kids two thousand and three series, the Purple Dragons kind of 
work underneath Shredder. Uh, but he was a more respectable mafia type Japanese mafia boss in the, in that series. Um, and I just feel like in this movie that recruiting t- kids who just steal TVs is just too low. It's almost beneath the shredder. Yeah, that did feel a little bit like a little <laughs> particular. Like this made me laugh. Like it, at the beginning, <laughs> like as they're establishing this big bad yeah. gang, it, it shows this like handoff race like one teenager steals somebody's wallet and he's running and then he hands it off to another teenager who hands it off to another teenager who hands it off to another one who finally hands it off to Sh- to shredder yeah or tetsu or whoever <laughs> or that was someone with like a similar yeah. arm plate and i'm like what <laughs> the kid's just like pulls out just like, just... <laughs> you see this hand come out yeah in the broad daylight <laughs> in broad daylight you know <laughs> I'm pretty sure that everybody on the street saw more than just the hand. <laughs> yeah, like, and that that was one thing I didn't didn't like. Yeah, and you ninjas know, are supposed to come out at night. That's why they just. I don't know black. if it was meant to be funny. If it was, and I was like, okay, I could see that a little bit, but no, I think it was serious. But if it wasn't, then it just they failed on that one. Like, yeah, <laughs> I felt I felt no no danger. Well. That's a signal that we should probably wrap up soon for my wife. Okay. Um, what did we not like? Yeah, so... You know... What, what did I not like? Besides what we just listed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, let me think. Whew, excuse me. I would say the first... Maybe the first 20-ish minutes of the film was a little flat for me i didn't really get grabbed until maybe close to 30 minutes in probably really when they introduced splinter like like they're establishing the world a bit so it just but some of that just fell a little flat for me like i think they could have done a better job pulling you into the story more quickly um so yeah like the beginning could have been better i think um try to think what else Oh, Whew, excuse me. One of the things that I thought was a little weird and inappropriate, like, like why would April's boss just randomly be showing up at her apartment with his teenage son, <laughs> like several times? It's like, April, are you going to come to work today? Or, you know, it's just randomly popping up. At her. <laughs> I was like, at first I was like, are they dating? Like, what, what, what's going on here? But no, he's just showing up before work at her apartment for some reason. Um, yeah, and then nothing inappropriate ever happens, but it just it just felt weird. I was like, why is he doing that? Like, that doesn't, doesn't make much sense. Uh, and she's just, she's just acting like it's normal, like he does it every, t- every day or something. <laughs> uh, I was like... I mean, he does seem like he's a single dad, so maybe he has the hots for his his reporter. But, but you never get any other vibes on that, so it just it just came off weird. Just yeah. Weird. Um. You know, they did like. I feel like they did sexualize April a little bit, like maybe. Like some of the comments with the with, with the turtles a little bit, but also. 
some of the way she dressed in the second half. You know, she definitely changes and starts dressing sexier in the second half. I guess you could look at that a couple ways. Like, I don't know. She's a strong female character. So like, she she's not. She fights like, like when she's threatened. Like, she attacks the foot soldiers. So she, you know, she's a courageous reporter. So she's a strong female character. So she could you could look at it one way of like, well, she's just confident in her own body and doesn't mind showing it off. But you know, but also wouldn't take any shit, you know, from anybody, you know, Casey included. So like. It doesn't say ruin anything, but but it, it it could be a little bit exploitative, you know. It's like oh, you know, it's like so I don't know that that was like a little bit like eh, it, it took me out out of the film a little bit when it when I first noticed it. It was like it didn't surprise me that it was in there. Um, but yeah, but even even the cartoon to some extent does that. Like she's very curvy and wears a you know a tight-fitting suit for the whole series so there's a little bit of that even in even in the kids cartoon series but that being said she's not like a ditzy blonde she's a very right. strong female character she sticks up for herself she's intelligent she's accomplished professional and um so yeah so so I guess you could, in light of all that, you could look at it more as like, no, this is just how she wants to dress. She's confident in her body. But I'm thinking more of like, it's probably men running the show with all this, men directing it, men writing it, yeah, you know, men making decisions. And those were the scenes they were trying to reinforce the possible romance between her and Casey Jones. Yeah, so like, I understand like some of the reasons why, as well as target market, I mean... It's one of the reasons why Megan Fox got the Transformers role, you know, to draw a comparison. Wasn't Megan uh, Fox also April O'Neil in the Ninja Turtles films? Yes. Yeah, Michael Bay. Yeah, he continued working with her, but, you know, he definitely brought her on the first Transformers, you know, because they're gearing it towards teenage boys, which yeah. is the target audience. Um, so that that definitely worked. I mean, it made a buttload of money. So they, I knew they, they were probably doing it for similar reasons in this um so yeah that, that was maybe one thing that they could have changed they didn't didn't need and i don't think they need to do that even to make her character sexy like she's sexy without having to yeah to wear that like it wasn't you know she just her person like who she was um and uh so yeah I'm trying to think of there's anything else um, we're, we're we're over an hour, so I'm probably not going to go into too much else. But uh, but uh, I would have liked to have seen would have liked to have seen maybe a little bit more of a fight uh, with Shredder and and um, Splinter, but I th I think they handled it well because Splinter obviously was was beat up and was weak. Yeah. So he uses his cunning instead, you know, to take out, um, take out Shredder. So, so I think I liked that as well. I liked how, how that ended. Like, like part of me was, was half expecting Splinter to just suddenly like break out into like a Yoda thing where he's like, that would have been he's cool. like walking with a cane and all of a sudden he's like fighting. So the fighting would have been cool, but it would have felt, it wouldn't have felt real. Whereas yeah. this felt like something he could have actually accomplished even after being 
beaten is like he used his intelligence and he used his you know he was he was smart in the way yeah. you know he got under the other guy's skin you called out his name and stuff and like and brought back the memories of his hatred for his former master so like now he's angry and he he acts rashly and then splinter used that against him so actually i really liked that as well um so now that i think about it i would not have changed that and really, Splinter is not very mobile in this film. Yeah, not really. No, he doesn't. He's just a little bit of fighting with the turtles, but yeah, you, you don't really see a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. Like. He just sits there or he hangs on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> for the most part. Or he just stands there on the ladder. Uses his presence and, like. I guess you could look at it as, like, with the turtles, he. Similar to Splinter, where he no wasted motion he's very calculating mm, true, in his true. movements and he like uses like defensive movements and like um in a sense he's playing with them a little bit you know while he's fighting them like because you get that feeling and i wanted to point out the rooftop fight scene with shredder is actually lifted from the comics as well okay yeah i think it, i remember you he does about that um, in the comics, he dies when he falls off the roof of the building. Um, but in that one, he doesn't fall into a garbage truck. He, he, uh, gets exploded by napalm, but, uh, <laughs> that'd be even harder to come back from. Yes. Of course we can't, we can't do that in a movie that is being watched by a children's cartoon. Then you just see like Splinter be like. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. <laughs> uh, interestingly, in the original comics, like, Cowabunga! Yeah. <laughs> in the original comics, the reason why Splinter trains the turtles is just so that they can get revenge on Shredder for killing his master. Eh, makes sense. It's, it's, a, it's a motive that makes sense. Yeah, huh? it is. Of course, wow. they had to take that out when the comics, the, the, the brand was, became popular with children. Mm-hmm. You know, revenge had to be taken out, but yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, well, I'm glad we did this. I, I really enjoyed this. I enjoyed watching it with you and and um, fellow Turtles fan, bigger Turtles fan than I am. I would, I think it's fair to say you definitely own a lot more of the the merchandise and have seen more of the series. Um, Ninja Turtles and Ghostbusters, baby. Yeah, man. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad we finally did this, and uh, and I don't think we'd ever even talked about this. This is kind of more spontaneous of just cool. like, but I think maybe in the back of the mind was like the new movie coming out soon, um, which we will do a review on, and uh, so yeah, this is a good good preparation for that, and uh, yeah, looking forward to it. We'll have to, yeah, we'll we'll definitely be dropping a review of of that when it when it comes. So. Maybe not the very week of release, but definitely the month yeah. of the month of release. We'll definitely be dropping a review of, of the new one, so looking forward to it. All right, nerds. Nerds. Till next time. Cowbunga dudes. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. <laughs> excellent.
Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Irreverent Nerds Podcast. If you would, consider following us on Instagram. We are there at irreverent underscore nerds. You can also hit us up on Facebook. Just look us up there at the Irreverent Nerds. That's our fan page. We have a YouTube channel as well. Once again, the Irreverent Nerds. Nice and simple, right? And if you go to www.irreverentnerds.com, that will send you to our podcasters for Spotify, formerly anchor.fm profile, where you can send us a voice message if you want to support us financially or listen to the podcast. It will also direct you to other places you can listen like Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, you name it. So like, comment, subscribe, follow, all those good things, wherever you find us, wherever you listen to us, we would greatly appreciate it. Until next time, nerds, live long and prosper. Avengers Assemble! I'm Batman.